This podcast contains information about child abuse that some listeners may find distressing. Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. My name is Daniel and as I always say, I hope you've had a great week. Um, Here in Australia, uh, we're now out of lockdown, which is good because that was lockdown number six. So it's been, I think, about 265 days uh, off and on that we've been locked down. But now we're out and about and let's hope that uh, COVID moves away. Um, yes, so being listened to everywhere around the world now, it's really good. Um, I really love in, uh, getting all your emails and all your text messages. So keep them coming. And I will do a special, I think, uh, in the next couple of weeks where I actually sit down and answer all your questions uh, because it's been too long and I've got too many. So I need to get through them, don't I? Anyway, today I have a special guest and we have been trying to merge our calendars, I would say, for about three or four months. And things keep coming up either on my side or on this lady's side. And finally, today we're sitting down. I, I wish I had the sound effect of... Um, you know, uh, bugles trumpeting. <laughs> so today I'm talking to Denitza, and I've forgotten how to say your last name, Borges. 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 She is the founder of the F Word Project, which is all about forgiveness, and she's in California. So hello, Denitza. How are you? Uh, hi, Daniel. I'm good. I'm good. Loving life in California right now. <laughs> is it still warm over there at the moment? It it is. We're still in the eighties. We don't get like your drastic weather in regards to winter, but uh, we had an occasional rain last week, and uh, everybody broke out their rain boots and coats. It only lasted one day, so it was it was a short lived. Well, we had a big storm a couple of days ago, and the electric was off for twenty four hours. Um, oh my god! <laughs> so I'm glad it was back on today because I was panicking that I might have to try and do this sitting in my car using a cigarette lighter to charge the laptop. <laughs> okay, so do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, I am a clinical sexologist. I deal with sexual trauma victims, um, whether it be sexual assaults, um, molestations, anything in regards to sexualness, as well as um, impotency and sexual trauma within relationships and uh, relationship issues. So yep. I'm by, by trade, I'm a therapist that deals with sexual trauma. Yep. Um, but I'm my background is in law enforcement. Wow. As well. Right. So I did 11 years for the department here in California in their sexual predator unit, as well as throughout the rest of their of the institution. And then I uh, retired from there. I got vested and retired and opened up a learning center for children wow. and did that for 11 years. God. Yeah. Look, you've just given me so many topics that I've been looking for people to speak about. So, look, we're going to do this one, but I'm sure if you're available, we should get together early next year and do a second one because you've just. I love that. You, you've ticked so many boxes for me. Okay. So, <laughs> good. What is the F Word Project? Uh, the effort project is stands for the forgiveness project. And what my scope was, um, as I started to deal with people with trauma and, uh, and anger issues and uh, regrets and remorse, I found that they had a hard time with forgiveness. Yep. Um, I come from a ancestral background of sexual trauma, and I ended up forgiving my perpetrator. And I thought, well, maybe we need to really hit on forgiveness uh, and the scope. We all forgive in different stages. We all have a different inclination on forgiveness. 
um, it varies from individual, yep. but I thought if there was a platform and we beca- we could become fluent in forgiveness, yep. um, forgiveness is, is very much like a muscle. It needs to be built yep. and it needs to be practiced. And so I thought if we had a platform on, and so we decided to build one, I decided to build one and it's on its website, Facebook and Instagram. Yep. And I just thought if we had a venue that we could speak about forgiveness Good or bad, even people who cannot forgive, that's an early stage of forgiveness because at least you're acknowledging that you cannot move forward yet. I like that. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, forgiveness, I think forgiveness is one of those words that a lot of people um, would say, oh, yeah, I forgive them, but I don't know if they actually sit down and think about what they're saying when they say they forgive someone because to forgive someone you really need to open your heart and and acknowledge what's happened and then let it go, don't you? You do. It, it's a, it's a definitely, I, I always refer to it as a muscle. Um, it, it's practice makes perfect. The more we practice, um, for instance, on a daily basis, we have opportunities to forgive. Maybe the, the barista at Starbucks didn't get the order right. Maybe someone <laughs> cut you off. You know, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so we have these little opportunities to forgive and not become so angry, not to be triggered uh, by our anger, that when things of a higher um, multitude, whether it be uh, a loved one hurts us, a friend says the wrong thing, something extremely traumatic occurs, that we're able to at least try to forgive and go through those stages of forgiveness. Because what ends up happening is when we don't forgive, we carry that burden with us. We're, there's somewhere in our psyche where we will constantly relive the action. Yeah. And we'll go through it over and over and over again. And anytime we're doing that, it keeps us away from opportunities that are open to us. And also it can be just sitting there in your subconscious mind and you can think that, you know, oh, I've dealt with that. But in your subconscious mind, it's continuously playing on a loop and you're never actually getting to the bottom of it. And then you start to wonder physically, why am I so tired? Why can't I think straight? And it's because subconsciously you're still thinking about this issue that you haven't resolved. Uh, That's correct. Um, I've had uh, clients who say, "I, I can't sleep at night. I I go to bed thinking about this or my stomach hurts or I get migraines. Our lack of forgiveness does take a physical toll. It takes a psychological toll and it also takes a physical toll. And we have a tendency to say, oh, we'll just take an aspirin or we'll, we'll, we'll take something for it. When in reality, we have to kind of work through it. I've met people over the years who have said to me, oh, I've got a sore throat or I feel like I've got something blocked in my throat. And when you actually talk to them about what the issue is, it could be an issue with a partner or someone in their family, and they've got something they want to say, but they just don't know how to say it. So it's a blockage. Right, exactly. It really is. And it's funny, your your body will tell you if you're suffering from something. You know, you get that gut feeling, something's just not right, or the headache or the throat and it lapses into your physical. Uh, for instance, you know, people who have um, high anxiety. Well, when you ask them, well, what is making you so anxious? Well, I don't talk to my parent or I don't talk to my sibling. Yeah. Well, why not? And they can't seem to move past the why not. And, and, and we all forgive at different stages. 
Some people are more forgiving than others. If you meet me, you'll know that I'm one of the most forgiving people. I do not carry the anger with me. I just don't have the capacity to do that. But it takes training. It takes action. It takes open-mindedness. It takes embracing the fact of letting go of the toxicity of the, of the memory of what occurred. Yeah. You said before that you grew up in a traumatic situation when you were younger. Would you like to speak about that? Uh, sure. I was molested by my brother, my oldest brother, from the time I was five years old until, about, until the age of 17. Wow. And it was very traumatic. I come from a very traditional family. I was raised by grandparents. And my grandmother was in her 80s by the time she was raising her grandchildren. And um, she did a job that wasn't hers to do. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I forgave my brother. And I was empathetic. My brother was 10 years older than me. He was going through puberty. He didn't have a male role model in the home. There was probably a lot of questions he had as a growing male that was not getting answered. And I don't make excuses for my brother, but I can empathize with the situation. And as I empathized, I I realized that my brother was also my provider. He was the moneymaker of our home. And he he tried the best he could. And I do believe that my mother fell short of parenting and We were all pretty much set up to fail in our adolescent years because of some of the decisions my mother made. Right. I had to reconcile with the fact that I was molested by my brother and I had to reconcile with the, with the fact that I was abandoned by my parent. And it was, it was very difficult. It was, it's something you have to work through. And I found that I could easily carry it, carry it on with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. But that was not going to do me any good. On the contrary, it was probably going to be the death of me. Yeah. Uh, when people ask me, how did I make it through? Um, many, many people have said, with the statistics, you should have been institutionalized. You should have been in trouble. You should have been a troubled youth. And I think at one point, you have to step outside yourself and say, I can carry this and harbor it and become attached to it because we all know people who become attached to their memories and their anger and their hatred and carry the grudges, or you can empathize with the whole picture situation and say, how do I move on from here? That is just a very small chapter in your life, not the whole book. But it's still pretty phenomenal that um, what happened to you, you can, see some reasons why your brother might have done that and also be able to forgive him and be able to move forward from it. Because, yes, I mean, at such a a foundation part of your life where you're starting to learn new things and move through life and start to become who you are, to have that added into it, it, it's a pretty major incident, isn't it? It it is. you're, You're trying to find out who you are as a person. You're moving away from family members who is your unit of where you receive your love. Yeah. Your family should be the first place you, you, you recognize who loves you and you're training on how to love back. Yeah. And when you have molestation or some type of sexual trauma, your capacity to love is very different than majority. 
I, I tell some of my clients, I learned how to love uh, by connecting the dots. And most people learn and they connect them one, two, three, four. Mine was one, three, seven, maybe a nine. And you just kind of bounced around and you fill in, you become in survivor mode. Yeah. But if you don't forgive that when you go into adulthood, people who come from a very solid, good upbringing will not be able to relate to you because you count so differently. So my job was to learn how to unlearn the bad counting and relearn how to count better than I was taught. Well, that's just such an amazing way to put it, that you had to relearn the steps to be able to put yourself almost back together. Exactly. And I I think that that's part of the work, whether you do therapy, whether you do some type of counseling, it's you have to know that part of you is healing and part of you is broken and not of any fault of your own, but just from what you learned, whether it be family members, society, peers, and you have to unlearn that to be a better person for your future. Yeah. That's amazing what you went through. And do you mind me asking why your uh, parents were not in the picture when you were growing up? Um, My mom was a very beautiful person, but she shouldn't probably not have been a parent. So she would have children and there was, there was two older brothers and myself and it was easier to live her the life she wanted if she gave our uh, her children to her mother to raise. And my mom was a col- was the first um, college graduate of our family. She mm-hmm. was not poverty. She was intelligent. She was traveling, but she just didn't have the capacity to be the parent. And I guess you know we're not all cut out to be parents, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> and it, it's important. <laughs> no, not by a long shot. And and it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, you can't put us back. (laughs) We're here. We're here. (laughs) And once you're here, you're here. Well, look, I guess, um, as you said, you lived with your grandma and she did the best she could. And, you know, I'm I'm sure she did do a great job. Um, And so with your brother and yourself, are you reconciled now? Are you okay with each other? Uh, we don't see each other that often, but the last one of the last times I saw him, yes, we reconciled. We both understood that it, it wasn't just his contribution to the trauma. Trauma doesn't just only come from one person. If you really look at a sexual trauma, there's so many times that other people drop the ball. For instance, the, another parent. Yeah, um, I, I, I can give you an example. Um, there was just something here in, in the United States where um, children were left abandoned. And there's so many people that see it, but so many people either one, don't get involved, don't know how to get involved, or just don't mean to turn a blind eye. They don't mean to. They just can't accept that this is really occurring. They yeah. really think there's no way this is possible. Like, this has got to be the worst case scenario. This cannot be happening. But it does happen. Yeah. And But the truth is so far-fetched that you just can't wrap your brain around it. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's not because of neglect or not wanting to step in. It's just the truth is so unbelievable that you just can't believe that it's occurring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. I understand that. Um, 
And it's a good way to put it because when you see things on the news, you know, like children going missing, children being abducted, stuff like that, um, and they ask parents, neighbours, stuff like that, that they are. I'm sure they're like you're saying that they just can't believe that this would be what happened. Surely the child's just gone missing. Uh, they've run away right. from home, something like that. Um, because, yeah, I don't think our brains are really wired to actually think that badly, are they? When we start thinking, oh, my God, that must have happened, we go, no, surely it couldn't. We justify that it couldn't have happened. Right. And then and then we justify it even more so. Uh, we, we end that sentence, well, it couldn't have happened on my watch. Yeah. It couldn't have happened with me no, being so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and because that would mean that you weren't paying attention. Yeah. And that's not the case. It's just, it's the truth is unfathomable yeah. that our psyche says there's no way that could occur. So I'm not even going to, I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But many times it does occur. Oh, look, I mean, it does. And uh, uh, and I've said this before on the podcast a few years back. I put um, one of those, um, I can't remember what they're called, change.org or um, something like that. I tried to start a petition that we should change the saying from child pornography to child molestation because I think child pornography is too much linked to all pornography and it's okay to watch. Whereas if we change it to something else like the child's getting like child rape or something like that, a lot of people who might be tempted would go, oh, I don't want to watch that. You know, pornography makes it sound acceptable because pornography now in society is is acceptable, but we want to change people's thoughts on child molestation. Oh God, I don't want to look at that. Well, uh, the word pornography really renders in entertainment. Yes. So when you say pornography, you're like, oh, well, that's a form of inter- sexual entertainment. Yeah. So many people think, oh, that's not a big deal. But when you put child molestation, that becomes more criminal. Yes. More, more um, vi- volatile. Yes. And people, people don't want to associate that. No, no, no. At the time, I thought it was a great thing to set up because I thought, oh, I'm going to get thousands of people support this because we need to change the way people think about it. And I think I got three people. And I don't know if it's people just go, oh, I don't really want to look at that. Like you say, I don't want to think about that. So they don't think about it. They just Mm -hmm. flick through it. Anyway, look, let's talk about your F word project. So how do people get involved or what does it entail? Well, what ends up occurring, there's two, there's a two uh, factor. F-word project, we, uh, prior to COVID, we were generating tons of stories of people with forgiveness stories. It could yep. be themselves. It could be family members. It could be their lack of forgiveness because it's still part of a forgiveness story. Yep. And we were generating it. But then COVID hit. It was very difficult to interview. So we started with quotes and we started with stories that we could get a handle on. Slowly but surely, we're getting more stories in. Um, within the month of November, we're going to be doing some live shows um, via um, Instagram Live, where we're going to have other counselors um, get involved and, and do uh, partake in a listener share of forgiveness. And uh, we can help listeners get through some some issues regarding forgiveness. Our hope is that we don't wait until the Thanksgiving table 
here in the United States to hash out our problems yeah. that we try to forgive before we go and break bread with our family members. And, and the holidays are coming in and it's time to group and reset our relationships. Yep. So um, we're asking people to log on to Edward Project, whether our website or get on our Instagram at the uh, F word project and um, DM us and share their stories. We're, we'd love to, you can share them anonymously. You can share them with a picture and we'd love to hear because we know that there are thousands, if not millions of people out there who have a similar situation. They may need your solution on how you are still going through the forgiveness process or you've overcome it and you have forgiven. And you just said there about um, starting out just before COVID hit. I mean, COVID really, I mean, now might be a good time for people to start looking for your organisation because I'm sure things have happened during COVID that they need to forgive someone for or they need forgiveness. Um, but how did you find it when COVID struck then? Did that sort of stop a lot of people coming forward to join you? Um, I think they had so much on their plate that it was very difficult for them to even address forgiveness. Yeah. Um, I, especially here in the United States, there was some controversy. We were having a president elect, uh, a president elect yes. uh, during that time. So you found people on different sides. You found people not being able to communicate with their family members, anger, in regards to vaccinations, who should take yeah. them, who shouldn't. Yeah. And so it, it, it definitely caused rifts in relationships, um, job employment, uh, people, you know, quitting over, over um, lack of, of benefits or whatever they may be with their job. We've had a job rage, resignation rage here in the United States. So there's a tremendous amount of, opportunity right now to reset and and forgive and i'm finding that a lot of people are having some issues with self-forgiveness right it's not just forgiving of others it's it's definitely self-forgiveness words that were said opinions that were spoken anger that was lashed out and it's important that we move on from that because it does take a toll on our, our our mental capacity so yeah, in the US, you, you have had a pretty hard time with the elections, haven't you? And I don't want you to disclose which way you are. But, um, you know, with Trump and Biden, um, there was a lot of controversy there. And I guess a lot of families who are, is it Republican and conservative? Um, uh, Republican and Democrat. Democrat. You know, there would be lots of arguments and disagreements and even minor disagreements that then you feel like, oh, you know, I should go back to dad or uncle or auntie and just say, you know, we've got a difference of opinion. We shouldn't have had that argument. And, you know, I forgive you and I hope you forgive me. A, a complete agreement. Uh, we have a, a pending story right now in regards to a dinner party going south just because of the political campaign. Yeah. And, and, uh, and knowing sometimes it's really good knowing when to just let it sit. Yes. You know, taking that time to let, you know, the sizzle drain. Yeah. You know, so the pot doesn't run it over. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's a really important part, isn't it? Because, 
It's not always, and I don't like to think of it as winning, but sometimes in arguments, I guess we get to the point where we think, oh, I know more about this. I'm, I'm going to make sure I win this one. And really, in the end, is it really worth winning if you're going to re- lose a relationship over it? I, I, I don't agree. I, I think that uh, I think we, if you're winning just to prove your point, you're actually losing. Yes, you're actually losing if all you're trying to do in an argument is to prove your point because there's so much more you're going to lose than your point of view. Definitely. And and sometimes um, we look back at years, people have been estranged from each other or people haven't spoken to each other for years and they can't even remember why the argument yeah. started or what yeah. the argument was all about. Yeah, and that must be so hard on both sides of the family. And, you know, I guess that there comes a point as well where, you know, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who hadn't spoken to his dad for three months. And I said, because I lost my dad in February this year. And I said to him, look, how would it be if something happened to your dad and you never got to forgive him over the argument or just say to him, look, the argument's no, let's just forget about it. Let's move on with life. Let's, because we're all we're all only here for a certain amount of time and he did ring his dad and he said oh well the conversation didn't go very well you know he sort of said okay fine thanks uh you didn't come on um father's day and he said oh well you know we we're both sort of disagreeing at the time but i wanted to make it up and the dad said okay cool well maybe i'll see you at christmas and he said to me so what you said to me didn't work and i said well it wasn't about finalizing that argument and coming to a full agreement it was about you stepping forward and saying this isn't worth us losing our relationship over and I said when I told you to do that I I said it might not go well it might be great it might be in the middle but you've made the first step and that's the first step towards healing whatever the issue was rather than just sitting back and going well I'm not talking to him and he's not talking to you and you know that doesn't build any bridges does it? It doesn't. And I also think your friend had really high expectations. Yes. So when we ask for forgiveness, we should go in because the forgiveness isn't for the other person. It's for ourselves. So we don't feel bad and we don't lose the relationship. That should be the bottom line of the forgiveness. But we go in thinking the other person is going to say to us, oh, well, I was wrong and I'm sorry and I apologize. And that other person may be and have their heels dug in. And that's fine because you're not forgiving for the sake of them. You're forgiving for the sake of self. Yes, that you can move on yourself. Right. So the fact that your friend may be able to see his father on Christmas is a step in the right direction because how many Christmases and how many Father's Days do you want to miss where, guess what, one day you won't have the opportunity anymore? Yeah, exactly. You ask yourself, how many do you want to miss? Uh, May I give you a scenario? Yep. Okay. So I was at a speaking engagement regarding um, my book. And there was a a person in the audience. I was speaking at a college. And she was very upset with me because I forgave my brother. Extremely upset. Stood up, 500 people. And she was very upset with me. And so I walked to the the, uh, chalkboard and I said, give me a date. And she gave me a date. I said, so you want me to be angry with my brother until this day? She's like, she's like, well, I didn't say that. I'm like, but that's the date you gave me. Let's let's portray that date. So I'm going to be angry, upset, headaches, bad stomach. Me- my mental health is going to go down. I'm going to be depressed 
until that day. But the day after, I'm going to be happy. So wouldn't you want me to be happy now instead of waiting for that date? Because I don't want to lose my 24 hours. I don't want to lose my opportunity to grow. I don't want to lose my opportunity to have good friendships and good healthy relationships and, and a good life because the expectation is, is how could you forgive him? How could I not? For the sake of my well-being, how could I not? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I've heard of other people who have been similar to you in forgiveness. And one of them is uh, Billy Connolly, the comedian, who I think it was in his first or second book. And I don't know if it was sexual abuse as a child or physical abuse, but he lived with his aunties and he said that, you know, it could have screwed him up and he could have spent his whole life going, poor me, this happened to me and I can't move on with my life. And he said, and I decided one day I've only got one life and I'm going to do whatever I do with it. And then he became a comedian and, you know, he said in, in some ways it's almost like I'm saying it doesn't matter what happened to me, I was able to move through it and forgive and create a great life for myself. And I think his wife Pamela Stevenson is now a psychiatrist. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, look, she has said as well that she spent a lot of time helping him work through those things, and it is a process, isn't it? But for for him, like yourself, to be able to forgive and to be able to recreate your life or reclaim your life is an amazing story. Yeah, I, I sit back and I think this happened to me because of, for whatever reason, yeah. I didn't ask for it to occur. It just occurred. Yeah. But part of the process is to measure my strength and my capacity to love. And I find that some people who have the most amount of love have also had the most amount of suffering. Yeah. And so when you look at it in that scope, why not me? You know, I, I can't, I, I wouldn't wish this on another person. And myself, like Mr. Billy Connolly, we are the epitome of strength and you move on from these traumatic, worse, horrific experiences. You know, you have experiences where mother's children were killed and they befriend the killer in prison and, and they help them work through it. It's such an enormous amount of love. And I truly believe when it comes from a place of love, it cannot fail. Yeah. It's an incredible story. And it's, um, I mean, I can see why you've started the forgiveness project, the F word. It's, uh, I mean, if you can help people who have been through things that aren't even as traumatic as what you've been through to be able to forgive, what a difference we can make to the planet. Because I think for me, when I, uh, 12 years ago, I I studied my counselling and before that, I was always worried about things and thinking about, oh, well, what if this happens? Or going through scenarios of if I make this phone call, I need to say this, 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 and then they'll say this, this, and then I'll go with this. You know. And then once I did my training, then I saw life in a completely different way. We focus so much on all this irrelevant stuff around us. And when you really hone yourself in and stop worrying about what other people's opinions of you are and, and what, what you're doing or what you should say, your life becomes a lot easier because, yeah, like you, when I was younger, I mean, I haven't had your trauma, but when I was younger, um, I had panic attacks and feeling like I was going to be sick all the time. And I was, I was really pushing myself to the limits with all the different creative stuff I wanted to do. 
but once I sat back and relaxed and learned the counseling techniques, my whole life became a lot more balanced and a lot more focused and happy because I wasn't hanging on to all those different assumptions, I guess, of other people as well. I think there's a lot to be said with peace. Yes. Peace of of mind and that undertone of calmness. You know, when we have so much trauma and we have so much anger and resentment and hatred built up and we decide to forgive, whatever the forgiveness situation is, there's this sudden weight and everybody references, oh, I felt like a weight's been lifted. Well, it has because it's been affecting your physicale for years. Yeah. And not only is the weight mental, but it's very, very physical. And when we allow ourselves, like literally allow ourselves to forgive and move on and let go, there's this overwhelming sense of peace. It, it becomes like surreal. Yeah. And, and it's like you love yourself through it. Because part of the forgiveness is loving yourself enough to trust your actions to let it go. Yeah. And, and trust is a hard mm-hmm. one to accept, especially when you're doing self-forgiveness, because we're always second guessing ourselves. We're always like, did I do this right? Should I have done it? Should have, would have, could have. But when you forgive someone and you trust that you really needed to do that, this overwhelming sense of confidence and self-assurance and self-confidence, it, it, it becomes overwhelming. And now you're no longer harboring these old resentful feelings. You're partaking in a new opportunity, in a new journey, in a new adventure, whether it be with that same individual or because you've let it go, you've opened up another part of your heart, your mentality, your soul into a different aspect of your life. Wow. I love that. That's perfect. That That's really good. Um, yeah. I mean, forgiveness is... I didn't even realize how important forgiveness was until I spoke to you today. Um, and you've just summed up. Every- oh, thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank well, you. Well, yeah, because, you know, I use, well, I mean, I understand forgiveness, but I usually just think, oh, yeah, you know, I, sh- I should forgive them or not really thinking about forgiving myself. Um, but you, you've just clarified everything around forgiveness, which I hope the listeners take that away too, because, yeah, we do hold on to so many things. Um, and sometimes I don't even think we realize how much we're holding on to when we say, oh, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. And then you just get on with your life. I don't think you realize how much of that is still hurting you, that you haven't resolved it or that you miss that person. And, you know, and to actually be able to forgive yourself and forgive the person and be able to move through it, whether it ends up as, yes, you're back as friends or you're not, you know, it, it does take away all that worry, concern, weird ideas about why the relationship changed. I'm just saying that as one example, but there's so many times we have interactions with people and then we go away going, oh, I don't know if that went the way I wanted it to, but, you know, maybe we need to put a little bit less pressure on ourselves to just be contemplative. Yes, contemplative. Yeah, and, and, and realise that, you know, if we do make these mistakes, if we do make errors in our lives, we can go back and with forgiveness, we can create a lot better life. Yeah, I, I try to tell some of my clients, when you're starting relationships or friendships or any type of interaction with another person, 
it's okay to come to the table and say, um, look, I know myself well enough that I'm going to make mistakes. I may say something offensive, maybe not now, maybe not, not, not in a week, but two weeks. But I just want to apologize in advance that if I do say something out of line or I misbehave in a certain way that is not to your liking, just tell me. Because sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it. And, you know, I apologize now for actions that may occur in the future that may not align with with what you would consider proper behavior. But just know I'm your friend and I'm trying. Yeah. And I think we need to have more discussions regarding forgiveness. It's okay to talk about forgiveness. It's okay to talk about love. It's to, we, 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 we would rather stay in our, our anger instead of staying in a place that's much more beneficial to us in a state of forgiveness. Yeah. And, and yes, um, if, if you have got a, a disagreement with a family member or if any reason, try and find a way to uh, forgive and to settle down and work it through so that you're both not just sitting there going, well, I'm not going to because life is too short to hold on to anger and resentment when forgiveness, you can find a way through it. This life is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is the only one we have. (laughs) There is no redos. So we should make the most out of our relationships and our friendships. And, And not every one of the people that are in our lives are meant to stay. Some of them are are meant to teach us a lesson, uh, be a stepping stone. We learn from them. They learn from us. But there are some relationships that we can actually nurture. And part of that nurturing is learning to forgive, learning the language of forgiveness. It's like learning the language of love. You know, people love differently. Some people, you know, the the five languages of love. And, you know, people love physically, people love emotionally, people need affirmations. Well, the same with forgiveness. Some people need apologies. Some people need, you know, you go to certain cultures and there may be a culture that doesn't know how to forgive, but if your mother's in the in the kitchen and making an overwhelming sense of food that you love, you know that that's part of the forgiveness process because she's <laughs> making all your favorite dishes. <laughs> and we have to we have to pay attention to when people actually extend the olive branch, and we have to pay attention on how to ask for forgiveness. It's not just always the other person's fault. Sometimes it's our own. Yes, and, and I, I think that's also a, a part that a lot of people don't like to accept, isn't it? That maybe they were the one that contributed more to what's going on. And sometimes we need to learn that, you know, we're not always right. That, that's correct. Um, you know, it, it's real easy to blame others, you know, walk away. But what a great process. What a great opportunity you have when you can have the insight and say, I know I was wrong, or I could, I was, I'm a better person than this. And my behavior was not appropriate and I need to make amends. And you can go to that person and say, you're sorry and be genuinely apologetic and genuinely sorry because people will applaud that effort. Yeah. People understand that we all make mistakes, that nobody is perfect. And if you can come to the table and genuinely apologize, people will forgive you. They will. But you have to, yeah, they really will. Yeah. Nobody wants to walk away thinking they're an unforgiving person, <laughs> not part of our buildup. 
yeah. than our nature. All right. Well, look, do you, do you want to give us your web address as well? And where can people buy your book from? Um, I'm on Amazon, and my book is called Left Vulnerable, and it's a brief memoir of my years uh, under a sexual trauma environment. Yep. And it, 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 it's a fast read. I keep getting told it's a fast read and it's been, uh, uh, it, it's gotten really good reviews. So I'm really, really pleased with that. And so it is Left Vulnerable. It's on Amazon. And uh, I think it's also on Barnes and Noble. And yep. then my um, we're on Facebook, which is F4 Project. We're on uh, the web, which is www.facebook.com. And we're also on Instagram at uh, F Word. All right. Beautiful. Well, look, uh, Denitza, it was uh, wonderful to talk to you and to understand more about forgiveness. And as I said to you in the beginning, we will do something else in the new year because, yeah, you've just got a wealth of information and you're really good at, at connecting it and communicating it in a way that's easily understandable. And I'm, and I'm not meaning like, you know, I, I've, you know, it's just the, the way you you spoke about forgiveness, it just it clarifies a lot of things in your head because yeah, most people think, Oh yeah, I've got to forgive that person. Um, but you actually pulled it apart and explained how forgiveness works. And it was just brilliant. Well, thank you. I'm very pleased. I am honored to be on your show and, and uh, I'm really looking forward to coming back, whatever you need from me. I'm here to help. Yep. We will do something as soon as, um, uh, as soon as we're into the new year and we're through those holidays, I'm actually, I don't take breaks on, uh, on here on the podcast, but this year I've decided to take four weeks off over the holidays. Um, oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I think I need to. I'm talking to so many people. I just need a, a couple of weeks where I just don't talk to anyone. I need to go and stay in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, and the thing is, I mean, we've been locked down all around the world for so long now, and now I'm saying that I want to go and be on my own for a while. I mean, most people are <laughs> wanting to meet people. <laughs> Well, I think anybody who's a therapist or in some type of uh, counseling, we, we've had our share of uh, of stories come to us during the COVID we uh, have indeed. Uh, lockdown. So I think some of us actually need a break. <laughs> yeah, we do. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk again in the new year and have a great holiday. And you've got a, what was it coming up? Thanksgiving. Yes, we have Thanksgiving and Christmas, obviously, and New Year's, and that's just around the corner. This this year seemed to fly by. It so did, didn't it? I think did. it's all the lockdowns and all the COVID and stuff like that. We just seem to be racing through life at the moment. Exactly, exactly. I, I'm actually looking forward to 2022. <laughs> I think everybody is. <laughs> all right, well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.